Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Paul explained in Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 24, he says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Things that occurred in the Old Testament uh, at first glance seem of no consequence to us in the 21st century. Things that occurred with those people and the customs and the ordinances and the law of God that was given to them doesn't seem relevant to us as 21st century saints. But I want to state to you it's all been given to us for a specific reason. There is a purpose. Everything in the Old Testament, matter of fact, everything in Scripture is very tightly woven together. Even looking back to the oldest of the historical books, looking back to a different time period, a different place, people with different customs, all of this uh, dovetails into something very beautiful. And that would be an example, a pattern, a template, if you will, that we could follow. In Genesis chapter 15, God reveals to Abraham in detail that Israel would be strangers in a land that was not theirs. And for 400 years, they lived in slavery to the Egyptians. And we know that also with that revelation that God gave to Abraham, he also gave him hope. He said there is going to come a fourth generation that is going to rise up and they're going to walk out of Egyptian bondage And when they do, they will leave with great substance. In other words, when they leave, they're not leaving like they came. What they go through and what they face and the challenges that are there are going to make them stronger. And they're going to have a greater testimony of my power and my ability to deliver. Can I preach to you that things that we face in this life That at the time we may not understand, we may not be able to fully grasp, we may even ponder, why is this happening to me? Why is this occurring in my life? Has God recalled his hand of favor upon me? Has he turned his back a blessing upon my life? Why is it uh, that this is happening? So many people have an idea that living for God means that it's all going to be a walk in the park. And that there'll never be heartache, there'll never be loss, there'll never be times of questioning. Let me just state this, that God is not intimidated by your questions. And God does not, as long as we keep the right spirit and the right attitude, and we don't charge Him foolishly, He he is not uh, one that, that shuns our questioning. I find the most righteous man written about in the Bible... A man by the name of Job. Question. He had questions that he asked of God. And I don't find where God rebuked him. I I find, uh, in other words, that God was patient with him and revealed to him that he was going to bring him out. And that God was ultimately going to deliver him from the trial that he was walking through. And the things that were happening that he didn't understand at the time. And so God is revealing to Abraham, there's going to be a period of time. And uh, it's going to be exactly this long that they're going to be under Egyptian bondage. But there's coming a day that they're going to come out of that place. There's coming a time when, when I am going to deliver them with a strong hand. We know that Egypt is a type of sin and the world in Scripture. And the intensity of this slavery and this bondage in the people of God's life 
Even though they were people that had promise, they were the people of God, and God had many things that he intended to do through them. There was many things that he intended to do for them, and there's also many things that he intended to give to them. And just because they were in a bleak part of their history, just because they were in bondage, did not take away from the trueness of God's promise. Did not take away from the word that God had spoken all the way back generations before to Abraham. I, I want to encourage somebody here tonight, if God is, or this morning, if God has ever given you a word, if God has ever spoken to you a promise, if he's ever dropped anything into your heart, you don't have to be confused when, when contrary winds begin to blow. You don't have to, to doubt when trouble comes that God is going to be true to his word and that God is going to ultimately bring you out because we know while we may not be in control and we may even wonder who's in control, we know that God is ultimately in control of the situation. God knows he doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't have to question what to do. No matter what the enemy does, no matter how intense the attack is, it doesn't change the mind of God. It doesn't change the plan of God for your life. Before I get to the conclusion of this message, I want everybody in this room to understand that God's plan for your life is more important than anything Amen. His purpose is more important than anything in your life. And nothing besides your decisions and your choices can avert that plan, can stop that plan. The devil can't stop that plan. The enemy, no matter how much he attacks, no matter how much he comes against you, no matter how you feel presently at this moment, I come to preach to you that God's plan will prevail. If you'll trust in him, put your faith in him, continue to live faithfully before him. You may have to walk it out by increment. It may be one step at a time, walking in faith all of the way. But God is going to bring you out to a beautiful, beautiful plan that he has orchestrated from the beginning. You may not be able to see it now. It may seem obscure to you, but I'm going to tell you this Stay under the hand of God. Stay obedient to the voice of God. Continue to do what you know is right. Continue to live by his word. And God is going to work it out. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. And let's give him praise together right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Even though they had not possessed the promise, nothing that had happened, nothing that would happen could change that uh, even though it, it seemed that there was so much potential wrapped up in these people and that God had, had, had given them a specific word and direction and uh, his blessing was upon them that while they were in this trouble, it wasn't until they began to cry out to the Lord. The Bible said they cried by reason of their affliction. They cried by reason of their affliction. There's some things in our lives that stay dormant. There's some potentials that are not realized. There's some plans that are not activated, even plans of God, because God is waiting on us. There's certain portions and parts of this that depend upon us to activate them. And to respond like we're supposed to. Faith is one of those agents that activates the promises of God. The Bible said without it, it's impossible to please the Lord. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Some people have the idea that if it's God's plan and if it's God's purpose and if it's God's will, then I, I, I don't have to do anything to bring it to pass. Nothing I could do would change it. Nothing I do to the negative or nothing I could do to the positive will ever change that. While that is true with the enemy, 
And I, I want to underscore my previous statements, and that is that the enemy cannot stop the plan of God in your life, no matter how bad he wants to. If he wanted to, and, and if he was able to, rather, then, then you wouldn't be here this morning. You wouldn't feel what you feel this morning. You wouldn't have the desire that you have in your heart to serve God this morning. If he was able to do what he desires to do, uh, many of us would have already been wiped out. Many of us would have already been destroyed. There would have been no hope of us ever changing. Oh, but we're here today because the devil, as eager as he is to try to destroy and try to stop the plan of God, he cannot stop the plan of God. But while I say that, let me remind you that your inability uh, to yield to God or your unwillingness to give yourself totally to the plan of God for your life can stop and can hinder the will of the Lord ultimately being done. We see this in that story that I read to you this morning, that, that they had to wonder for 40 years in the wilderness. We see it. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because there was some doubt and unbelief that had to be worked out of these people. And God was dealing with them. And they had to come to the realization, it's not about us and what I want, but it's about the plan of God. It's about the purpose of God being fulfilled. And it wasn't even in Egypt until they cried out for deliverance before they were able to get to a place that nothing else mattered. As long as they were satisfied with Egypt, God allowed them to live there. As long as they were willing to survive in that place that was not their home, that they were a stranger to, that this was not really the plan of God for them to live in this place, God allowed them to exist there. And it's almost like uh, they're in a holding pattern. And everything as far as the purpose of God comes to a screeching halt. Yet God had not forgotten his promise. Uh, God had not forgotten his plan for Israel. There was still a land that he wanted to bring them into that was not like Egypt. Uh, There was still a place that flowed with milk and honey and blessings of God that he wanted to bring them into. He hadn't forgotten that. uh, But he had to wait and Until they became passionate about the promise of God in their life. Until they become dissatisfied with Egypt, everything remained the same. Can I tell you the reason why you feel uncomfortable sometimes? And the reason why you you can't seem to be satisfied with what you used to be satisfied with. And And the world doesn't have the same taste that it used to have. And the same feeling and the same comfort that you used to find in the things in the world. You can no longer find it. I'll tell you why. God's trying to stir something up inside of you so that you will cry out and say, God, I want to get back in your plan. God, I want to fulfill your purpose. God, I know you have a promise for me. Don't allow me to be satisfied living in Egypt. Don't allow me to be satisfied in this world. Don't allow this world to become so appealing to me that this is the only thing that I live for, the only thing that I desire, and the only thing that seems to be uh, defining my existence is the things of this world. No, God allowed them to become uncomfortable. Taskmasters, the intensity of slavery, Ah, being ruled with rigor, they begin to cry out. And God raised up a man, Moses, who was, and, and it's not whitewashed in Scripture, he was a man, but he was God's man. He was not perfect, but he was anointed by God. And he was going to be used of the Lord to lead the people of God out of Egypt. And God prepared Moses. God gave Moses a four-word message that he would carry to Pharaoh's palace. He would walk into the marble corridors of Pharaoh's palace and speak to him directly and say, let my people go. I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord. Let my people go. 
And even though Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he resisted the words and the message of Moses, and in so doing, he resisted the Lord. God, amen, again, the enemy cannot stop the plan of God. When God's people get ready to obey, when God's people get to the place that they're willing to yield, when God's people get to the place that nothing else matters more, when God's people say, I'm so hungry to see God's perfect will fulfilled in my life, oh, when God's people say, I want revival more than I want anything else, I want to be saved more than I want anything else in this life, I want to see my family saved more than anything else in this life, more than the comforts of Egypt and more than the approval of Egypt and and more than the favor of Egypt. I've got to have the favor of the Lord. I need the blessings of God. I want the promise of the Lord in my life. God knows how to deal with the enemy. The Bible says that ten plagues come slamming into Egypt one right after another until, until Pharaoh drove, drove the people of God out. The Bible says that when that firstborn was slain in the house of the Egyptians, that every, every person, uh, without the blood applied to their house on the doorpost and the lintel, every, every home that was in that region, the firstborn was taken by the death angel. And the Bible says there was a midnight cry that went forth. Every, every wall in their home became a wailing wall crying for their babies crying for their sons and uh, as a result Pharaoh said I want you to get out of this land you take everything everything you want for sustenance and everything you need to survive but I don't want to hold you here I've held you here too long and this has happened to me and these plagues have come and now it culminates into my son's passing and uh, so we understand that God knows how to deal with the enemy. I realize that Pharaoh changed his mind. I realize that Pharaoh tried to recapture them. And let me just state this, that the enemy never gives up. The enemy never stops. The the enemy never relents. Uh, He he never gets discouraged to the point that he just quits and says, well, I I know I'm never going to get them back. Uh, And that's why every child of God in this house uh, has to stay fervent for God. That's why every child child of God that's in this place. You cannot set back on your laurels. You cannot uh, take it easy in your relationship with God. You cannot develop the attitude that I am just going to coast or get by. I, I, I've given enough and I've sacrificed enough. I've prayed enough. I've been faithful enough in the past. You can't lean on your past and the victories of your past no matter how great they are. But those victories are only there to propel you to greater victories. My Bible says from glory to glory and from faith to faith. Every time we come to the house of God, we come scratching and clawing to go a little bit higher and to see a little bit more and to have a little bit more revealed to us. We need God to work in our lives all over again. Amen. As glorious as it was when you walked the aisle the first time and repented of your sins and was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. As wonderful as an experience as that is, can I tell you that you got to get back? You got to be refilled. You got to be renewed. You can't live on that. You cannot exist on that forever. But you got to have a revival in your spirit at every given opportunity. You need God to stir you. You need God to speak to you. You need God to work in your life. You gotta yield to the Holy Ghost in a worship service. You gotta get those hands in the air. Amen. While the songs are being sang, you gotta join in at every opportunity for victory. And every time the Word of God comes forth, you gotta grab a hold of it. You gotta mix your faith with the Word of faith and say more than just words being spoken. That's the Word of God and it feeds my spirit and makes me strong. I need victory in my life.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's give some praise unto the Lord right now. And it's here that, that God begins to show us something all the way back in the book of Exodus. All the way back here at the beginnings of the Bible. God begins to reveal a plan that is going to continue with momentum all the way through the scripture until we reach the book of Acts and we fully understand why all of these things happened as they did. Because when they left Egypt, we know that Pharaoh and his army come pursuing after them. And they were faced with the Red Sea. And as they stood before that Red Sea, the scripture tells us uh, that every part of this story had its own significance. And there was a reason why things unfolded as they did. The Bible says that Moses, as he stood there, people murmuring, complaining, saying, did, did Moses lead us out? Did he lead us out of Egypt and bring us into this wilderness to die? Ultimately to be overtaken by our former captors? Oh no, Moses stood there on the brink of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to him to raise that rod, that same rod that he had placed in the Jordan and it turned to blood. That same rod that he lifted and, and frogs, uh, these amphibious beasts were all over the land. That's that same rod that he lifted and, and other plagues had came and been poured out upon Egypt. Uh, the same rod that he threw upon the palace floors before Pharaoh that turned into a serpent. It was that same rod. He said, I want you to lift it up over the Red Sea. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then go forward and walk out. As I prepare a way for you, you walk out into the Red Sea and I'm going to see you all the way across. This, this reminds us of a few things. First of all, it reminds us that God never leads us to something that he won't help us through. God never brings us to a place that his grace is not sufficient and his strength will not be there and strong enough to see us through that situation. If you got a storm in your life, or if you look out on the horizon of your existence and you see storm clouds brewing, can I tell you that if God brings you to something, he'll take you through whatever it is that you face. I want to remind you of that today. Because it's so easy to think, well, I've been forsaken. I've been forgotten. Where is God? Did he bring me to this point just to leave me? I feel alone. And emotions can be a tricky thing. You cannot depend upon your emotions. You cannot rest in your emotions. You, you cannot rely upon your emotions. But you have to rely upon the Word of God. You have to rely upon the Spirit of God to navigate your life. You, you can't trust yourself in some circumstances. And some storms in life, you, you cannot trust. You, you know, when a storm comes, it's hard to, to get your bearings. It's, it's hard to know which direction to go. When winds are blowing and, and, uh, the trees are bent low and, and the sky is dark and you can't see, you can't see stars nor the sun or the moon to, to get direction or get your bearings. You have to depend upon that compass called the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it's true and it's steadfast and it'll always lead us through the storms of life. And so as they stood there, uh, God said, I'm going to breathe a path. And now he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then within the same passage, he says, go forward go forward. I'm going to tell you there's times uh, that we stand in the Word of God and we stand on the Word of God and we lean forward into the promises of God 
And uh, it seems like a contrary statement that is being made there. Stand still and then go forward. But it's not really. In other words, the Lord is trying to tell him, Egypt and going back to Egypt is not an option. Going back to where you came from, that's not in consideration. That's not something we're discussing or even talking about. But I'm just saying that you got to stand in what you know and you got to hold the ground that you have. And you can't afford to go back. You can't afford to give up anything. And until you you receive that clear direction, just stand where you are. And then when that direction comes, then move. If you go anywhere, don't go back, but go forward. If you move in any direction, don't, don't move to the left or to the right, but go forward. I come to preach to somebody today. You may not feel as you'd like to feel right now. You may not feel that, that there's any path forward for you at this moment. But I'm telling you, God's fixed to provide and open up and allow you to see something that you were unable to see up until this moment. And when he does, that's when you can step out. That's when you can make motion into your future. That's when you can go forward in God. But I plead with you, don't go back. When you don't understand, don't go back. Don't let your default position be, I'm going to turn back to what I'm comfortable with and what I know and what I used to be in and the mindset that I used to. I know, amen, I've gotten victory over that. I'm going forward, going back to Egypt, going back to an old mindset, murmuring about what I used to have. That is not in consideration. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so as they went through that Red Sea, the Bible says their pursuers were right on their heels. And when they made their way, that last person makes their way up on the shores of the other side. The Bible says that the Lord allowed that same sea that had been like a a wind that had just breathed down through it. And on either side, a wall had been formed. And those folks were able to walk over on dry ground. He caused that sea to go back to what it was before. And it drowned the Egyptian army in the midst of it. And the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that this is in the likeness of baptism. Bible tells us just as that Egyptian army was drowned in the sea, those that had been their captors, that had ruled them with rigor, in some cases had generationally ruled them with rigor and been over them and been their ruler. Oh, I, I, I know that I'm taking a little liberty with my imagination. But I I can only imagine as they looked back over their shoulders and saw those Egyptians coming across the same path that God had provided for them. When this miracle first happened, they was able to proceed out into the midst of the sea on dry ground. No doubt they thought God has provided a miracle and uh, God has provided a way for us to get out, and he's not going to allow them to pursue us, but they begin their pursuit, and they still possibly did not understand the full plan of God. But God waits until they're all out in the midst of the sea. And no doubt these Israelites, as they're looking back and they're seeing these people and they recognize their faces as the ones that have held them captive and ruled them with rigor, that have been there day after day to domineer over them and to show and express dominion over them. And over and over again, it's it's resounding in their minds. Are we ever going to be free? Are we ever going to be delivered? Are we ever going to be able to get out of Egypt? Are Are we ever going to be able to be separated from that? And perhaps there's somebody that's in this room this morning that feels the same way about certain aspects of your life. Will I ever be free from this depression? Will I ever be able to 
overcome this generational curse. You, you're reminded that it was, that it was 400 years that they had been in Egyptian bondage. That's no short time. 400 years, that's the way it had been. That's the way that, that they had lived. That's the life that they had had. It wasn't just for them, but it was for their mothers and their fathers and their mothers and their fathers. And if a generation is 40 years, then you, you, you count them back. How many generations had been there in Egypt enduring the same thing and no doubt they felt like things will never change they'll never be different this is the way that it will always be and when they saw them uh, following after them they said we we just can't ever seem to escape it as hard as we run and as much as we try and as much faith as we put forward to God it seems like we can't ever get free preaching to somebody here today that feels that way in your spirit. I can't ever break the chains of this thing. It seems like I do pretty good for a little while and it creeps back. That that old condemning spirit comes back around in the corners of my mind and it begins to speak loud and it begins to tell me that it's always going to be this way. That I must accept it. That I must just live this life. It can never be the same. Oh, you see others shouting and rejoicing and it seems like chains have forever been broken in their life and though you're happy for them, there's a little bit of envy that is there in your heart. Uh, There's a little bit of concern that what is wrong with me? What's going on with me? Why can't I feel that? Why can't I experience that? Why can't I have that? Why is that not happening? I see their joy. Why can't I have joy? I see the peace and the serenity that is on their countenance. Why can't I have peace in my home? Is this the way that my life is to be all the days of my life? Oh, I understand that I've been raised this way. I understand that these are struggles that were passed down from my parents and perhaps even my grandparents. Uh, These are things that some would say is generational curses and they've never been broken and it just seems like it's a way of life it's become a tradition it's become a way of living things don't seem to ever change in our family and in my life and it's just been passed down maybe this is just my lot this is the way it's got to be it'll never change and no doubt that is flooding the minds of those people but suddenly when they got on the other shore and Moses stretch forth his hand. The Bible says that that sea came back together and suddenly they realized something has happened. Oh, something has taken place. That that used to rule over me has been drowned in the sea. That that used to have such a hold on me, I finally have gotten freedom of. Oh, I'm sure it took a little bit for it to settle in and for it to register in their minds. But finally when it did, the Bible says that Miriam picked up a timbrel and she began to sing a song. I want to ask somebody, how long's it been since you shouted in victory? How long's it been since you sang with joy? How long's it been since you felt peace in your heart that I don't have to deal with that anymore? I may struggle with other things, but that particular thing, I've got victory over it. I've been delivered from it. I'm whole. I'm free. I'm never going back to that. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and let's praise the Lord together. They begin to rejoice. They begin to worship. They begin to magnify the Lord that the horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. One of the greatest songs of victory in the Old Testament is written and sang and led by this group of people as they begin to rejoice on the banks of the Red Sea about the victory that God had given them. And might I say that Egyptians and Egyptian bondage was never, ever, now there were other enemies, There were other things to conquer. There were other enemies that they would have to fight and battle and struggle with. But the Egyptians were never a formidable foe to them from that point on. 
I believe God is able to bring people to a point of deliverance that they could get such freedom from certain things. It's not that you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to, and I'm going to deal with that in just a moment. It's not that you don't have to, uh, to really be careful and you don't have to put safeguards up and guardrails in, in those areas, but I can tell you that you can break free from something and never allow it to come back and build up, amen, some kind of fortification in your life again. You can get free from it. I said you can get free from it. You can get victory over it and here's the key because there was times when that old mindset when there was a little struggle when there was a little problem when there was a little little challenge that arose they would they'd get to thinking about Egypt yeah there was some things that we didn't appreciate and there were some things that we didn't like and there's things that we couldn't coexist with but at least we had this and at least we had that and at least We were able to survive. But is that what life's all about is just surviving and just getting by and just making from day to day and just marking out time on a calendar and and just putting hash marks uh, uh, and saying, you know, another day is passed and and, uh, another day is spent. No, uh, that's, that's, that's living. No, that's not living. The Bible tells me that God wants to give us life and life more abundantly. God wants to give you joy. God wants you to live with an inner peace. God has some things that he wants to offer and give to you that is a part of his plan that you've got to understand as long as you're satisfied with looking back to Egypt, you'll never understand those. You'll never be able to get a hold of those things. You got to get Egypt out of your, out of your mind and out of your heart. You got to get it off your taste buds. You got to lose your appetite for the things of the world and say, no, I'm turning my back on that because I want to walk with God. But some people never really lose their appetite for the things of God. And even or lose their appetite for Egypt and, and the things of God even become a little mundane to them. Because God is feeding them with manna. And they were so impressed in the beginning that this came with the dew of the morning. And just what they needed was provided for them. All the vitamins, the sustenance, everything that they needed was provided miraculously for them. And suddenly they're wanting the taste of it to change. And they're wanting to manipulate how it happens. And they lost how glorious and how miraculous it was that God would sustain them. I'm going to tell you, folks, we've got to keep the wonder and the excitement and the passion and the love and appreciation and and, and and really understand and keep a respect for what God has done and is doing in our lives. Sometimes it's easy to forget what it was like to live in the world, what it was like to be lonely, what it was like to put your head down on your pillow at night and wonder if you had a friend, wonder if there was anywhere you could turn, wondering what you were going to do and how you were going to make it, the dread, the anxiety. Oh, or to, to struggle with addiction or, or to struggle with the pain of loss and, and people walking out on relationships and, and, and breaking your heart. And it's, and it's so, and it's so easy for us now, many years down the road to forget that and to forget that life and to forget how horrible it was. Oh, lest we return to the pit from which we were dug. Help us to always show gratitude for what God has done in our life. I want to tell you the greatest remedy for you, amen, not backsliding and not returning to Egypt and not going back to the world is you gotta, you gotta always keep that appreciation and that thankfulness. Oh, you gotta keep that love for the things of God and the house of God and say, Lord, I thank you. I may not understand necessarily what's happening right now and why it is happening to me, but I know I'm better off in your hands. I know I'm better off living for you than I was in the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. The Bible says as they walked through that sea and those captors were buried in that sea that that was a type. That was a type of us being baptized in the name of the Lord. And 
And Paul said, just as they were buried in the sea. But don't leave this next part out. And just as they were led by the cloud. You know how you continue to have victory? As you continue to be led by the Spirit. Don't rely upon your own understanding. Don't rely upon your own wit. Don't rely even on your own past experiences. Somebody said, well, this is the way I did it before, so I'm just going to keep on doing it this way. Well, maybe God is speaking to you to go in a little different direction. Maybe God wants you to respond in a little different way. I find it even in David's life. He said, God, do you want me to go out as I have? And other times he said, wait just a minute. He said, wait until you hear the going in the top of the mulberry trees. And when you hear that, that's how I'm going to bring victory this time. That's how I'm going to give you the ability to conquer and triumph over your enemy this time. You have to wait on me and the sign that I give you. Can I tell you, we can become so fixed in what we think and how we feel God ought to do it and how he's done it in the past and I'm thankful for every victory that he's given us and every revival that he's given us in the past but perhaps God is wanting to stretch our faith and God is wanting us to respond in a little different way maybe God is saying that's the way I moved here but there's something else that I want you to yield to now and I want you to surrender to now because I've got a work and a plan that I want to fulfill in your life hallelujah and so day by day, they were led by that cloud. And there was times, there was periods of times when that cloud didn't move. That it stood still. For instance, there was a time when Miriam had spoke against Moses, her brother. And God told Moses to put her out of the camp of Israel. And there was a procedure uh, that had to go th- be gone through for her to be restored to the camp of Israel. But God in his mercy stopped that entire nation of people as they're traveling through the wilderness and waited. And the cloud didn't move until Miriam was restored. There's times when God allows us to slow down and there's times when he wants us to fold our tents and to move at his will. And we have to be willing to follow that. And receive that. And the Bible says, just as they, their captors died in the Red Sea. When we're buried in Jesus' name. We're buried in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And just as he became dead for triumphing over sin. You and I, when we're baptized in his likeness in the name of Jesus Christ, we are also dead to sin. And we're, we're raised up to life. He said, just as he was resurrected, we're raised up to life when we receive this glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. I won't tell you that's why the Holy Ghost is a necessity. That's why the Holy Ghost is more than just a good idea and an extra blessing. It's all of that, but it's more than just that. Amen. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you get power to overcome. You get resurrection life on the inside of you. Amen. You may have used to been dead to the trespasses of sin, but you're alive. Amen. You're alive by the Spirit of God. Amen. When you get the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues, you get power to live right. You get power to live righteously. You get power, amen, to separate yourself from the sins that had such a hold on you. So, as we read down into our text, Colossians 2, he explains, he said that they are dead in sin. And he said there were so many things in the law that were written against you, ordinances that stood between you and him and having a relationship with him. So many things that in yourself you live contrary to the word of God and the will and the purpose of God and the law of God. So many transgressions listed that you couldn't see around him to see where he was. You couldn't see around him to see the hope or to see the glory of God. Let me tell you, the devil is a record keeper. That's why, that's why when you 
come to church and you try to slip up your hands to worship God, he slips over beside you and says, you know, don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember the person that you've been? Don't you remember the sins that you've committed? Don't you, don't you know that this is what you've always been and this is what's going to keep you from really breaking through? Isn't it ironic that the devil brings up accusations? The Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. He is the father of lies. Isn't it ironic that he comes and accuses you of what you've done and how that you can't possibly have a relationship with God and you can't be victorious and and that you cannot overcome sin or temptation in your life? What you need to do is turn around and point your finger in his face and say, Devil, let me remind you of something about your past. That is that you could live for God in the very presence of God. You could live for God when there was no tempter when there was no devil when there was no accuser when there was nobody around to condemn you could serve the Lord in the absence of a devil so I think I'm doing pretty good amen to be in church on this Sunday morning I think I must be doing something right I showed up here today I know I'm not perfect but I'm forgiven I've been cleansed I've been washed the blood has made a path for me to come before the throne of God God boldly. Would you stand with me right now? I like what it says. It says blotting out the handwritten ordinances against you. Nailing them to his cross. His cross. He took the sins of the world. Not just past sins reaching all the way back to the very beginning. Up until that moment. But if I understand this correctly, he looked down through time all the way to the catching away of the church. He said, I'm not just taking care of everything heretofore, but I'm taking care of everything henceforth. And he said, I'm bringing it all together. It's going to be nailed to this cross, my cross. That's the only cross of redemption. It's his cross that cleanses. It's not the acts of men. It's not the goodness of men. It's not anything that we do as far as our religiosity is concerned. But it's his cross and what he did for us at the cross. And it's our faith in what he did for us at the cross that's going to make the difference in our life. He said, when you Repent of your sins and are baptized in Jesus' name. It's just like you went through that Red Sea and all those things that with gritted teeth have been following you, with swords drawn have been following you. Maybe this is what the psalmist David was saying when he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He knew what it was to have a condemner follow him. Oh yeah, he had experience with having an accuser follow him. He knew what it was to look behind and see an angry devil that said, I want you back. I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to destroy you. You're never going to make it out. I'm going to get my hands back on you at some point. I'm going to drag you down again. You're never going to be able to climb out of this abyss of sin. Would you help me, brother? Would you help me? Yeah, you. Come on. Surely goodness and mercy. Come on, goodness. Stay back there, mercy, right behind goodness. Goodness. When you look back, come on, brother, back there, to an old captor, to an old accuser, condemner, an Egyptian taskmaster, if you will. But there's something that stands between me and that. Goodness is there. So when I look back, I used to see an angry devil that said, I'm going to get you back. 
I used to see an angry devil that said, if you give me just a, a little bit more time and a little chance, I, I'm going to get my hands back on you. I'm going to drag you down and destroy you. Now when I look back, I immediately see goodness. And when I look back beyond him, I see where the mercy of God stepped in and said, I'm stepping between you and judgment. I'm stepping between you and what you deserve. I'm stepping between you and what the devil had planned for your life. I'm stepping between you and what the enemy wants to do to destroy you. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I like this part in verse 15, having spoiled. You see, that captor had plans for me. You see, the devil, he has plans for We talked about the plan of God. Can I tell you, the devil has plans and designs. There's things he desires to do. But can I tell you today, we can flip the script on him. We can upset the devil's apple cart. We can walk out of here. And he had plans that are spoiled. He had plans that were brought to naught. Because there's somebody that came to an altar. There's somebody that made up their mind. This is my day to change things. This is my day to get goodness and mercy between me and my former captor. This is the day that I get freedom in my life. Having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. In other words, he embarrasses the enemy. He shames the enemy. Wouldn't you like that spirit that's been shaming you, condemning you, railing against you? Wouldn't you like to send it out of this place? Embarrassed that it ever picked a fight with you. Embarrassed that he ever tried to regain a foothold in your spirit. Embarrassed that he ever come and tried to accuse you because what he meant to destroy you only provoked you to lift up your voice and cry out to God and say, God, I need your help. And you look back and said, goodness, I want you to stand right here. And mercy, I want you to stand right here. Get between me and that enemy that wants me back. Get between me and that devil that's trying to destroy. Get between me and that enemy that's trying to drag me down. He's trying to suffocate my worship and take away my shout. But you're not going to do it, devil. I am going to spoil Satan's plans on this Sunday morning. Is there somebody here today? A man that wants the ultimate plan of God versus what the enemy would try to do and what the enemy's tried to tell you that he's going to do. You want the ultimate plan of God. You want that to prevail over everything else. Why don't you step out where you are? Why don't you make your way to this altar? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, why don't you yield your heart to the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, open up my spirit to you, Lord. Open up my heart to you, Lord. Your plan, your will, your purpose. What you desire for my life. What you will for my life is what I want most. Come on, open up your spirit to God. There's guests that are here today that God wants to help. There's people here this morning that God, He wants to help them to overcome. He wants to help them to get back in the plan of God. Amen. He wants to foil the plans of the enemy. He wants to give ultimate victory to somebody. Come on, come. Come to this altar today. Pour your heart out to God. Open up your spirit to the Lord. Surrender yourself to Him. Say, God, I'm open to You. I yield myself to You. Let's raise our hands to Him right now.